Since the mid-1990s around the Winston suburbs, people knew of a guy called John Lawson, who named himself Pazuzu. Pazuzu had done everything he could to make himself seem scary to the people in town. He was trying to freak people out. He claimed to sacrifice animals. He claimed to be able to control the weather. He had filed his teeth down with a Dremel tool, and he had tattoos printed all over his face. He became Winston-Salem's own maskiness icon of depravity, and he created a following of disaffected youth desperate for an escape. Welcome back to Rogue Darkness, the podcast that uncovers how the misinterpretations and misinformation surrounding witchcraft, the occult, and other beliefs have led many to do unthinkable crimes. From ritualistic killings and the demons that live in all of us, to exploration of the macabre and diving deep into the unknown, let's explore the darkness of mankind, one crime at a time. I'm your host of the grim and gruesome, Raven. Let's go rogue and get right into today's chilling crime, the disturbing case of... Pazuzu Algarad. Now, this case is especially horrifying not only by the crimes that were ultimately committed, but the actions and reactions by others leading up to the crimes that truly make it horrific. Many signs and actions were overlooked and even snickered at that, if focused on by affiliates and law enforcement alike, could have potentially prevented the unnecessary deaths of two innocent men. With that said, Let's dive right into it so you can see for yourself. Let's start off from the very beginning. On August 12, 1978, John Alexander Lawson was born in San Francisco, California. Little did the world know he would eventually become known as a notorious devil-worshipping murderer who went by the name Pazuzu Algarad. And just a heads up that he did eventually legally change his name to Pazuzu Algarad but I'm going to continue to refer to him by his first or last name given to him at birth, so John Lawson, up until we get to the point in time when he actually changed his name to Pazuzu Algarad. So just wanted to put that little disclaimer in there so you're aware that I'll be referring to him by his birth name for a while, and then I will ultimately switch over to Pazuzu. Lawson was said to have grown up in a very dysfunctional and broken home, to say the least, and that he was primarily raised by his single mother, Cynthia. While he was still young, Cynthia and John had moved from California to Forsyth County in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is where Cynthia had grown up. There, Cynthia remarried to a man named Johnny Larry James, and the family soon moved into a home on Knob Hill Drive in Clemens, which is the location where John Lawson ultimately changed his name to Pazuzu Algarad in 2002, at the age of 24. This is also the house that would soon coin the title the Clemens House of Horrors, and was the place where Pazuzu ended up committing a slew of horrendous crimes. According to Cynthia, she noticed the biggest change in John when she had remarried, and that her new husband and him did not get along. This ultimately caused John to become a recluse, avoiding his mother, stepfather, and the rest of the outside world. It became more and more evident that something wasn't right when Lawson dropped out of school during ninth grade. Cynthia is reported saying the reason for him dropping out wasn't because he wasn't smart, but that it was because he just didn't go to school. Now, let's pause and analyze that real quick. 
As a parent myself, it makes me wonder why would she allow her child, who was still young at the time, he was only in ninth grade, to just not go to school? It's your responsibility as the parent to look after your child and to make sure they receive the proper care and education they need to develop and to grow into self-sufficient adults. So this right here shows us how Cynthia failed John Lawson as his parent. It makes me wonder how things may have turned out differently if she had actually been there for him and provided the nurturing environment that every child needs and deserves. Although the crimes he ended up committing and the actions he performed were all on him, we see this almost every time in murder cases that the murderer had a traumatic upbringing. It goes to show how the environment a child is raised in truly does have an impact on their development and who they will become as they mature. But let's carry on. In a documentary called The Devil You Know by Patricia Galepsi, the darkness of Pazuzu's childhood was unveiled in more depth, revealing how the combination of a lack of discipline and constant neglect left him alone and broken at a very young age. Cynthia, his mother, claimed his mental health issues arose when she initially married her second husband, Johnny. But it's evident the issues began even before that. It's been reported that Cynthia had even admitted Pazuzu to a mental health facility when he was young to try and help him, but soon was not able to afford the cost of the care, so he ultimately ended up falling back into bad habits and routines. Upon receiving a psychological examination, Pazuzu was then diagnosed with both schizophrenia and agoraphobia, which, if you're not sure what agoraphobia is, it's the fear of large places, groups, or even leaving your home. Throughout his adolescence and teen years, Pazuzu struggled immensely with social interactions, having very few, if any, friends, and was known for being an outcast. This caused him to resent others, among already resenting his mom and stepdad, and which ultimately led him to being more reclusive and skipping out on school altogether, as I had mentioned previously. It's been reported that at the age of just 13 years old, Pazuzu was known to regularly consume alcohol and would actively participate in using different drugs. His mother Cynthia had stated that she would let him do whatever he wanted and would basically turn a blind eye allowing him to basically run the house, bringing in drugs, alcohol, women, and even performing rituals where he would sacrifice animals to his dragon deity, as his mother called it, Cynthia is clearly part to blame here. She allowed him to do these things and would just look the other way as if it wasn't actually happening. Why she was never put into prison for allowing the atrocities to occur under her roof, as well as being knowledgeable of the actions and not reporting it to law enforcement, I have no idea. So, now that you have a little backstory on what led John Lawson to become Pazuzu Algarad, let's now move on to the actual crimes he committed, among other horrifying events. With full control over the household, Pazuzu became known to throw a lot of parties in the house, with an abundance of drugs, alcohol, and other criminal paraphernalia. The walls of the home were covered from top to bottom in spray paint and images of pure evil. Despite him being an outcast growing up as John Lawson, people seemed to flock to the person who was Pazuzu and claimed he had a sort of appeal, despite not bathing or brushing his teeth no more than a few times a year. He even allegedly had numerous hookups with several females while having parties at his home, and he even claimed to have two fiancés, as he called them. His two main girlfriends who were always by his side, but we'll touch on the significance of this in a little bit. 
Several first-hand accounts of friends of Pazuzu or people who'd actually been to the house have said it was basically an anything-goes type place, where people could do as they pleased while there. People could defecate or urinate anywhere in the house without any issues. And the fact that animal sacrifice was commonplace there, you can imagine what partygoers saw and even partook in during their gatherings. You know, it's like this mad place where you can act out your darkest and sickest fantasies to no judgment. And actually, I can see the appeal for a generation here who is having a hard time even finding a job. You know, the idea that you can go somewhere judgment-free with no pressure on you, somebody's going to give you drugs and let you behave however you want, there's an appeal to that. It's shocking that the neighbors in the area didn't catch wind of these activities. It's been said that the smell from the home was so putrid and intense that not sure how that went unnoticed for so long. But now let's move on to what led to the questioning and ultimate sentencing and imprisonment of Pazuzu. On May 28, 2010, police were called to the Lawson home on accounts of domestic violence. Pazuzu had been accused of putting his mother into a chokehold to the point where she couldn't breathe. Also at this time, law enforcement officers were faced with the grim reality that Pazuzu regularly performed satanic rituals and animal sacrifices at the household. There was reported to be several dead animal carcasses throughout the home, and the home was covered in filth and apparently had an awful smell, as previously mentioned. On August 23, 2011, Pazuzu went to court due to the charge, and he pleaded guilty to misdemeanor assault on a female, and then he was placed on probation for 12 months. Just a month after he had pled guilty, on September 22, 2011, Pazuzu's girlfriend, or one of his fiancés, as he liked to call her, Amber Birch, was accused of slapping and also choking Cynthia Lawson. There was evidently no respect for Cynthia by Pazuzu or his following, even though they communed under her roof. Amber Birch was later convicted and sentenced to 12 months of probation, just like Pazuzu had. Two months after her conviction, she was then charged with assault and battery, with police alleging she had also hit Pazuzu in the face, but her probation was somehow not revoked. In an article by the Winston-Salem Journal, it stated that, in a secured bond form related to the assault on his mother, a magistrate wrote that Cynthia Lawson told law enforcement officials that she was afraid of her son, but she didn't want to prosecute. Law enforcement also told the magistrate that Algarad regularly performed his satanic rituals and animal sacrifices at the house on Knob Hill Drive, according to court documents. This gives the impression that the reason Cynthia actually allowed Pazuzu to get away with so much was because she feared what he might do to her if she tried to intervene. Since law enforcement were now aware of the satanic rituals and sacrifices that took place at the home, they got a warrant and proceeded to investigate the home further. Upon further investigation, they came across the horrific discovery of human remains on the grounds. Two sets of skeletal remains that were buried in the backyard were uncovered. On October 5, 2014, Pazuzu and Amber Birch were arrested for presumed murder of the two men's bodies that were uncovered. The bodies were later identified as that of Tommy Dean Welch and Joshua Frederick Wetzler, who had been noted as missing since 2009. They had trapped him in a basement. And they had starved him for days. And either before or after they shot him, they cut off his extremities, his arms and his legs and his penis. And they buried him in pieces. 
Microsong's proud to tell everyone she knew that she was involved. Police believe that Pazuzu had killed Wetzler in July 2009, and Birch helped him bury the body. Then, in October of 2009, the police speculated that Birch was actually the one who killed Welch, and that Pazuzu had helped her bury the body. A lot of murdering and covering up of the crime within the relationship, it seems, and that's extremely horrifying. Pazuzu's other fiancé, Crystal Matlock, had also been charged with and pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit accessory in connection to the murders. Whether or not she actively participated in the actual murders, it's still debated and unknown to some extent. But by association and by not going to the authorities, she was deemed an accomplice and was charged for it accordingly. After the discovery of the two victims' bodies, as well as the inhabitable condition of the home, Wells Fargo determined they would move forward with demolition of the house. On April 24, 2015, the house referred to as the Clemens House of Horrors had officially been completely demolished. While Pazuzu was in prison, he had reportedly been transferred to different prisons for safekeeping. Officials have stated that a transfer for safekeeping can be for three reasons, security, mental health disorders, or medical conditions. I'm assuming in Pazuzu's case, the transfers were possibly for all of those reasons. In October 28, 2015, at 4.20 a.m., Pazuzu was found dead in his cell at Raleigh Central Prison. Cause of death was later determined via an autopsy to be caused from severe blood loss due to a deep wound to a major blood vessel in his left arm, at the pit of his elbow. Pazuzu's death was deemed a suicide, and authorities said he had reportedly used something to cut himself. It was never clear or determined what instrument he had used to cut himself. Items from a cell sent to the North Carolina Office of the Chief Medical Examiner included an electric razor and a clear, unlabeled bottle filled with red fluid. Either of those items could have been the potential weapon, but it was never clearly determined. After his death, Pazuzu's girlfriends, Amber Birch and Crystal Matlock, were seen in court. Amber pleaded guilty to manslaughter and received a maximum sentence of 39 years. Crystal, as mentioned earlier, pleaded guilty to being an accessory and reportedly confessed to helping bury the body of Joshua Frank Wetzler. She received a maximum sentencing of four years and ten months. So that was the chilling case of Pazuzu Algarad and how he plummeted deep into a world of darkness in all the wrong ways. His twisted views on magic and utilizing witchcraft in a negative way is the type of atrocity that gives all witchcraft a tainted name. This case brings light to how the misunderstandings of occultism and witchcraft led Pazuzu to commit the heinous crimes that he had, and also enabled him to manipulate others and drag them down into the depths with him. Another disturbing thing about this case is that even though the cops and law enforcement were notified about strange occurrences and possible bodies being buried in the backyard of the home, Upon investigating numerous times before the bodies actually were found, the cops always turned up with nothing both inside and outside of the premises. So the cops had been to the Lawson household numerous times before Pazuzu was actually arrested. And it, it's got to leave you wondering why. Why did it take them so long to actually discover these bodies when they had apparently made appearances at the house numerous times on calls of suspicious activity? It, it just it doesn't sit well with me and it has to leave you suspicious. 
So let me know your thoughts on this case. And as always, feel free to contact me with any questions or suggestions at roguedarknesspod at gmail.com. You can also directly message me on Instagram at rogue underscore darkness. The link's down below. Also, be sure to share this podcast with your family and friends. And if you really like what you hear, it'd be awesome if you could leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or any other platform where you can leave a review. With that said, that concludes this week's episode of Rogue Darkness. The darkness is all around us, and I can confidently say that reality truly is more terrifying than fiction. Until next time. <laughs>